This is episode 136 of the Relate Podcast on how to thrive in entertainment with Alexandria Bellavan. We are spending more and more time in the online world, looking through our screens and increasingly disconnected with those around us. But studies have proven that it's real life meaningful relationships that bring us the most joy and happiness. It's all about human connection and conversing with people from a variety of backgrounds. Worlds change when eyes meet. So let's sit down and relate. I am your host, Patrick McAndrew, and welcome to yet another episode of the Relate Podcast. I hope everyone is doing well today. I hope that you are getting ready for the holidays this week, whatever you might be celebrating. And as you are relaxing for the holidays this week, I thought that I would share an amazing episode with you all. We have an amazing guest joining us on the show today. Her name is Alexandria Bellavan. And Alexandria is a career development professional who has worked for nearly 10 years working within the workforce development realm. She currently works as the Employment Specialist and Program Manager for the Career Center at the Actors Fund, and we dive into a lot about the importance of career coaching for entertainment professionals. Alexandria is an expert when it comes to this topic, and we talk about, especially given the year that 2020 has been, how entertainment professionals can effectively pivot to transfer their skill set to other careers or to at least sustain a career in the performing arts. We talk about what type of problem solver you are, why it's important to figure out the problems that you specifically address in order to develop clarity within your career. Alexandria also talks about the importance of staying open-minded, why we must reach out to decision makers, and the importance of having a space and community for clients to collaborate with one another. There is so much packed into this episode. I'm very excited to share it with you all, especially if you are working in the entertainment industry and you are looking for guidance, you are looking for ways in which you can still be creative while also creating an income for yourself at the same time. If you like this episode, please head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave me a review. I would really appreciate hearing your thoughts. Or if you know of someone that this episode would really resonate with them, share it. Definitely send it their way. I know I myself got a lot out of this episode, so I'm sure many of you will as well. So without further ado, let me please introduce today's guest of Relate, Alexandria Bellavan. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Relate Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest joining us. Her name is Alexandria Bellavan. And Alexandria, she is a career consultant, does a wide variety of different amazing work, specifically in the entertainment industry. So Alexandria, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yes, yes. I, when we had chatted previously, I guess it was maybe a few weeks to a month ago, I was very excited, especially after that conversation, to really dive into a, a deeper conversation with you because you really have this unique take and very important take too on the importance of educating entertainment professionals on how to build careers for themselves and really how to build sustainable careers for themselves as well. I think this is something that's really important, especially as the the starving artist is such a very well-known stereotype. So it's great to have somebody like you in the back pockets of so many entertainment professionals to be able to help guide us and 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 help us along the way into creating a career for ourselves. Yeah, thank you. It's actually been really rewarding work for the past seven months. I've been doing this work for five years, but in the last seven months, it's been 
an interesting journey because of the state of our country right now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure it's been, I'm sure you've had many, many, many conversations with people in the entertainment world during this time. And before diving into that, I would love to take a couple steps back and maybe you could just start off by sharing a little bit about yourself and, and really what led you onto this path that you're pursuing today. Oh, sure. Yeah. I have been working in workforce development for the past eight to nine years, after I graduated with my sociology degree, I dove right into advocacy and I began working with disadvantaged youth in communities of Brooklyn. And I did that work for about five years. I helped them become work ready. And the one thing that I also did for the youth that I worked with was took them to their first Broadway shows. Oh, <laughs> uh, nice. Yeah, I've always been really connected to the entertainment industry. I mean, I did a lot of theater in college. I did some theater after college. So it's always been part of me. And after about five years of working with youth, I decided it was time to make a change. And luckily for me, the Actors Fund had an employment specialist position available. And my CEO at the time that I was working with had a connection at the Actors Fund. So he made the introduction, I interviewed, and I've been there for five years now. And it's been a really wonderful journey. Wow, that's amazing. And I, th I think too, it, it's great that you bring up the Actors Fund, because we've actually had past entertainment professionals in the past bring up the Actors Fund. I think that it has such a great reputation. So for those of our listeners who are tuning in, I'm wondering if you could just share with them, well, what is the Actors Fund? Oh, it's such a wonderful organization that is near and dear to my heart. I don't know if I'll ever leave it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the Actors Fund is a social service agency specifically for entertainment professionals. It's been around for over 100 years. We have basically, we call it kind of like, I know this sounds a little, it sounds interesting, but it's kind of like a cradle to grave type of organization. So we service entertainment professionals from the very beginning of their lives all the way to the end of their lives. So for example, we do have programs for young artists, young actors and performers to support them as they're, you know, pursuing their theater, their theater journeys and also being a kid. <laughs> and then we also have burial services, which is actually how we started in the first place. You know, back when John Wilkes Booth murdered Lincoln, actors were considered quote unquote dirty. So they were not allowed to be buried. They were not allowed to be given proper burial services. And so, wow. yeah. And so a young journalist came along and saw that this was a problem and he started a campaign for the Actors Fund and we have a cemetery in Brooklyn. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's <laughs> I I did not know that history. That's amazing. Yeah, so that's why it's considered a cradle to grave. Um, but in between all of that, we do have a lot of social services that assist artists with things like health insurance, housing, emergency financial assistance, substance abuse counseling, and of course, my area, which is career counseling and career coaching. So I work for the Career Center Department at the Actors Fund, and that's where we provide assistance to anyone that works in the industry, whether you're a performer or you are behind the camera or you're the content creator or you're the producer. If you've touched a film or a, a stage, we will work with you. And the way that we work with you is we help you navigate these waters of needing to balance how to pursue a creative career while also needing to pay the bills. Because as we know, creatives aren't always making money off of their craft. So they have to do something else in the meantime. And of course, we get a lot of people that come through and say, I don't want to be waiting tables anymore. I don't want to be babysitting anymore. And not that there's anything wrong with those jobs. I am very against job shaming. I think that any job is beneficial to have. You could always learn from any job that you have. 
but the point is, is that we have people that come in and they have specific preferences about how they see their future going and they want to make adjustments. So they don't necessarily come to the career center because they are ready to leave the industry. We do get those people that come in and say, I'm ready for a transition, but we actually get far more people to come in that just want some balance. Yeah, I think this is something that it, it's such an important conversation with regards to an artistic life is really figuring out sustainable ways to continue a career, to continue pursuing your passion and in a lot of ways, giving back to the world through your art, but then also more logistically speaking, figuring out ways to pay the bills and I guess figuring out ways to meet those two in the middle as well. I would assume that you talk to all different types of artists from a wide variety of different backgrounds in a wide variety of different times in their careers. And I'm wondering if you could share with us just through the interactions that you've had working in the position that you currently have, what are some of the biggest challenges that many of your clients face? The biggest conundrum I would say is clients are so apprehensive to pursue another path that will take up too much energy and too much time and space away from pursuing their creative endeavors. So there's this feeling of being torn between do I keep on just doing this quote unquote survival job of waiting tables until I land the gig that I've been waiting for? Or do I actually split my time and start developing a sideline career in something else that could generate some income? So that's certainly the biggest thing. And the, the other reason why that's such a problem is because they are afraid of being seen as not taking their creative career seriously enough, right? So they feel afraid of being judged by their colleagues in the entertainment industry, which is why it also poses a problem when they're trying to market themselves on social media, because they're afraid that if they talk about any other work that they're doing, that that will kind of hinder on their creative career. So that's definitely one thing that comes through and everybody handles it differently. And this is when I kind of talk about the difference between your career and your job. <laughs> there is a specific difference. Your career is your life's work and you're going to be working at your career, whether you're getting paid for it or not. And your job is a job that you take so that you can generate income to keep you afloat. Now, of course, the goal is to eventually make income off of your career. You want the two to overlap. You want your career and your job to overlap, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. And so that's another challenge. I think people really struggle with that because of course, living in America, our careers are so, our careers and our jobs are so attached to our identities. I mean, when you're in a networking interaction, what's the first thing that people ask you? They ask you, well, what do you do? And that's a whole other thing is this identity issue that a lot of um, entertainment professionals go through. They're constantly being split between, you know, what information do I share right now? Do I share the fact that I'm a, that I'm in, in the entertainment space or do I share the details about my survival work? You know, which one is going to serve me more? And the other challenge I would say is definitely a big one. The non-entertainment industry just does not understand the entertainment industry. There's this huge gap in knowledge. So when an entertainment professional is sitting with an interviewer for a job outside of their industry, they feel the need to hide that experience, which is a huge problem right now because we have a lot of people that have only been working in the entertainment industry for the past five to 10 years, and they've been displaced because of the pandemic. And as we all know, Broadway is not opening up again until June. So we're in this for a lot longer than anybody expected. So you have a lot of entertainment professionals right now that are in that have to learn how to how to make themselves legible to employers outside of their industries. And that's a difficult thing to do for them. Yeah, I think you bring up some really good points about 
I love your distinction between a career and a job. And I think, yeah, there is a lot of dissonance between the people who work within the entertainment industry and then those who don't. And I think you bring up a really good point as well, that so many of those skill sets are so transferable when applying to different types of jobs in different industries outside of the entertainment industry. For those artists who are, like you said, one of the biggest challenges is that, say, you have a an actor or a director who essentially they need to take on other work in order to help pay the bills, but they're afraid that they're not going to be seen as that actor, as that director. In your experience in working with these clients, what is the the best way to address it? Is it something that is really just inside the artist's head and it's not so much like actual perception or is that perception, does that hold some clout and maybe there's some ways to navigate around that. Yeah, it's such a loaded question because everyone's different, right? Everybody has different experiences, different backgrounds, different things that influence their mindsets, different, you know, support systems that are giving them different pieces of advice. So it really does vary on the it really depends on the the individual themselves, but you know, I think that I think that where this starts is education and training. I mean, when an an artist has to an artist has to go through a lot of education and training, and I think that's also something that a lot of people don't understand. In fact, about seventy percent of our population at the career center has a higher edu- has a degree in higher education. And the problem, though, is that from training there's no training in regards to oh and by the way you should really figure out and learn what your other passions are or how you could apply these skills that you're learning to be a director or a performer into something else right just in case there's this huge from the very beginning of your creative career you are not introduced to this idea of you need to think about doing something else to make money. You're just kind of expected to do meaningless work, quote unquote, meaningless work. I don't think anything is really meaningless, but (laughs) you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, But they're, you know, they're just kind of expected after they graduate or after they finish a program to throw themselves into a survival type of job. And they're not encouraged to apply their skills somewhere else. They're not encouraged to have conversations with individuals that work in different industries that might excite them. So that's the first thing. I think that training programs have to do a little bit better at preparing their students for the real world. And they should be more open-minded in encouraging their students to you know, think, what else could you see yourself doing? Not that that means that you're not going to make it in the industry, but the fact of the matter is, is that the industry is so overly saturated. You have to do something else to make money. And the thing is, why can't that something else be something that you enjoy? Why does it have to be the standard babysitting, dog walking, and waiting tables, right? So that's that's the first thing. And and that that and I think the other thing too is especially right now, a lot of people just didn't expect that this is something that they would have to even do because they've been so successful. I think a huge thing that's relevant to talk about now is there are so many people that have been successful in the industry and now all of a sudden they have to pivot. And that is quite sad because there's a lot of people in this world right now that don't have to do that, that they, that their jobs are safe, right? Because of how essential they are right now. So it's, it's like the rug has been pulled out from under them and they have to pivot quickly. And so that's another, that's another thing. But I guess the advice that I would give for anybody right now is that's going through this you know, identify some industries that excite you and identify different types of professionals that 
you, that intrigue you, that admire you, right? Even if you don't see yourself pursuing that type of path, you know, talk to those people anyway, try to initiate a conversation because you need ideas about what you're going to do next. So I think that's another thing that also is common amongst any job seeker is this apprehension of reaching out to people that you don't know for advice and for help. And that just is something that no one needs to worry about. Of course, you're not going to get a response from everyone that you reach out to. However, you have to try because you're not going to be able to move forward on your own. It's very important for people to start building a support system and a network so that they can generate more ideas so that people can tell you, okay, well, this is what I'm hearing that you're good at. And here are some ideas that I think that you should move forward with. So having conversations and not being afraid of having those conversations is really important. Yes. Uh, I love so much of what you're saying. It's so important. I think that also in a lot of ways, it is a matter of really, I guess, changing our, our perspective on how we view work. I think that a lot of times this other work outside, whether it's outside the entertainment industry or even within the entertainment industry, but perhaps like a different facet of the world is that I think sometimes it's very easy to pigeonhole ourselves in a specific role and just see ourselves as that. But I love what you're saying about exploring different interests. And I'm a big believer that a lot of times, more often than not, those interests will then inform the artistic work that you're doing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you might as well do something if you're going to do something else on the side, it might as well be something that excites you because you're more willing to learn that way. I mean, it's going to benefit anything that you do is going to benefit your creative career, because you will turn everything into a learning experience. I mean, for example, my boyfriend's father, he's a a visual artist, but his entire career, he worked construction, he moved a lot of paintings, he did a lot of heavy labor. But that work only benefited his art because he applied all the things that he learned in construction to his art pieces. So initially you're thinking, oh, that person works construction, but they're also a painter. How does that make any sense? It actually makes a lot of sense. You can actually learn anything as long as you're willing to learn and apply that learning to your other areas of interest or your your other passions. Yes, uh, it's so important. It's it's so important for all of us artists to keep that in mind. I would love to talk about because obviously you've been doing this for a while, and obviously this year has been particularly different from from years in the past, although I'm sure these issues were still relevant at times in the past as well. I guess from your experience in working with clients, what do you believe are, I guess, just some key things that entertainment professionals can do to level up their careers? Yeah, that's such a good question. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I'm sure like, you know, and with the caveat that the entertainment industry is such a very fluid world where it's not necessarily like the hierarchical structure that you'll find in the corporate world necessarily. So, so that question with that said. Yes. Okay. So mindset is huge. I think that it's really important for artists to remember that they truly are entrepreneurs. I mean, even if you end up working for the same theater for years, right? You still have to have an entrepreneurial mindset because of how oversaturated the the industry is, right? You have to constantly be marketing yourself because at any given time, your show can close for whatever reason. I mean, we're seeing that. I mean, look, did anybody expect that a pandemic was going to take over the world and all of these shows were going to close? No, I had actually read an article about this dancer that was in Chicago and everything was going really, really well. And he never expected that he was going to have to make this pivot, right? Because you're a dancer that gets into the show Chicago. 
you, you feel set, you know, I mean, of course, unless you get injured. Right. But the thing is you have to be entrepreneurial. You have to have that spirit and remember that you are Mark, you are your own marketing expert. You are your own outreach person. You are your own personal assistant because you have to keep track of your schedule and all of the different casting uh, all the different casting and auditions that you have to attend right so really viewing yourself as an entrepreneur as an entrepreneur and viewing yourself as your own little business i think is really really important for all artists to remember and it's not something that they are taught and in fact a lot of my performers tell me i've been taught that my job is to audition and I'm here to say that that is not your job. Your job is so much more than that. You have to do so much more than just audition. So really breaking down everything that you do, really reflecting and thinking, what are all the things that I have to do in order to be successful as an entertainment professional other than just auditioning is really, really important. Take an entrepreneurial class. It's so important. So that's one thing I would say. And in addition to that, what that goes with is, again, you know, what are all those skills and what type of problem solver am I? And it's so interesting because I, I think that artists are the best problem solvers. I think that they are better than anyone else. Because what do we get? I mean, we get improv classes. We have to deal with anything going wrong at any given time in a show. I mean, think about all the shows that we've ever done, right? And all the technical difficulties that went with them and all of the problem solving that's going on backstage while you have a live <laughs> audience, right? Uh, so true. So true. So I think that it's really important for artists to also remember that you are an amazing problem solver and you have to figure out what type of problem solver you are. Because that's the other thing we can't be too general anymore and that's I guess a third point too is you could call yourself a problem solver but nowadays especially with the internet and you have I mean for LinkedIn for example you have over 700 million people on this platform that are trying to market themselves as professionals and experts in their careers and it's really important to try and be as specific as you can. So you can't just say, I'm a problem solver. You have to really assess yourself and ask yourself, what are the problems that I have specifically helped in addressing? And what were those results? How did I do it? How do I like pro solving problems? And if you know what kind of problem solver you are, it's going to be so much easier for you to ask yourself, okay, now that I know what kind of problem solver I am, where where else are my problem solving skills needed, right? So for example, if you have a knack for editing and writing, I have a client that's a stage manager and she is so funny because she is also the grammar queen. <laughs> and I say, listen, if that's something that you notice about yourself that, you know, bad grammar and bad punctuation is something that really, really bursts you and makes you annoyed, then you should actually latch on to that. Take your take an editing class if you can and start practicing your writing. Do some writing samples and start pursuing that type of work on the side. And I guess that's the other thing as well is always look for clues. Always look for the things that really make you feel passionate, really make you feel certain feelings because those are clues into different paths that you could take to generate income that will make you feel fulfilled. And also, again, if you're excited about it, you're going, you're going to learn and you're going to eventually, all, all the things that you learn is going to benefit whatever other career or whatever other type of work that you're pursuing. Uh, man, this is so important. Uh, this, is, this is amazing. I, I love what you were saying about being very specific about the problems that you solve. I think that I know for myself personally, the process of finding clarity with regards to what type of work I want to be doing has been it has been a long process and I'm continuing to get there and, and strive for that definitely further now than I was maybe four or five years ago. 
And I think as as you said it, like being very specific about the problems that you solve and then latching onto that. I think this is something that is so important for artists, whether it's pursuing work outside of the industry or related to the industry or within the industry. It really allows them to develop the clarity that will allow them to pursue their art more fully and also to pursue their art in a sustainable way. And with that said, I, you know, with the caveat again, that 2020 has been a very unique year in this sense, but I'd love to hear about some of the, I guess, biggest success stories that you've witnessed within the industry with clients that you've worked with in the past perhaps something that they did, whether it was through pivoting, whether it was working a another job that maybe was outside their artistry, but they were very passionate about. Why do you believe these particular artists were so successful in whatever their endeavors were? Because they're open-minded. <laughs> I saw a post yesterday that somebody wrote on LinkedIn about a stage manager that they no. And this particular stage manager said to them, I just cannot see myself going back to an office. I can't do it. And the thing is, that's actually really limited thinking because the office environment that we once knew that existed 10, 15, 20 years ago is actually, I mean, of course that's still, that still exists, but there's actually a lot of different there's a lot of work environments now that sure they take place in an office or it's super corporate but it's just not the same as it used to be it's not all boring in fact employers employers about 77 percent of employers reported in the last linkedin recruitment trend report that they're focusing on employee retention and so that means that employers are really prioritizing their employees because as we know, it costs a lot of money to replace an employee. So the thing is employers are a lot more open-minded and receptive to employee needs. So, you know, this thought of, I just can't leave the theater and put myself into a, I can't leave the theater or I can't leave a film set to put myself in an office environment. You know, that's actually again, limited thinking, and you have to go out there and explore, which is the other thing. So kind of open your mind, get rid of those restricting thoughts and start talking to people. Because the only way that you're going to find out what companies exist that aren't that stale environment that you're afraid of is by talking to people and doing your research, right? So being open-minded about, okay, there must be something else out there for me that I would be just as happy in. And also taking that leap and just reaching out to people. And I will say this is very, very important. Reaching out to decision makers is so important. I have a client recently that reached out to the CEO of a company. And that was amazing because he actually responded to her and said, yep, I'm going to get you an interview. Wow. (laughs) In fact, the job description that she was applying for in a bullet said something like, must be open and comfortable with reaching out to senior leadership at different corporate environments or whatever, right? So by her reaching out to the CEO of this company that's hiring for this specific job, it's already sending that company a sign that, hey, if she's not afraid of reaching out to me for this job, she's going to be able to fulfill this bullet, right? So I think that's another thing that is very important and crucial for people to remember is that, look, if you're interested in a company or if you're interested in talking to anyone at all so that you can get a conversation going and get some advice going, the best type of person is to reach out to is someone with chief manager or director in their title because their job is to recruit for people. Their job is to recruit for talent. They don't wanna have to do so much work when they have to hire someone. So you're actually helping them by reaching out to them and saying, hey, I'm a person that I think that would benefit from working with you. And I think that you would benefit working with me. Let's have a conversation. And the thing is, even if, and this is the other thing too, even if there's not a job available, that's the other thing that people always trip up on is why should I reach out to this company if they don't have a job available? Well, because when they do have a job available, you'll have someone to reach out to that you already had a conversation with. And so it'll, 
that much easier for them to actually reach out to them and say, hey, it was great talking to you a couple of weeks ago. I noticed that you just posted a new job. I would love to be considered for it. I already submitted my application. And so that makes that reach out so much easier. So being open-minded, talking to people, and also reaching out to the right people, which are decision makers, are, I think, the main things that a lot of my clients that have experienced success have done. So for example, one of my clients in particular, he reached out to a director at Wix, and he wasn't even reaching out for a specific job. And this informational interview led to an actual legitimate interview process for a position. So that's something that's really important. That's an important message I believe everyone needs to hear is do not be afraid to reach out to people in positions of power. That's very important. Yes. Oh, I could not agree with you more. And I think, yeah, I think it's a matter of just making those connections and then then building on those relationships over time. You really never know what one relationship could lead to in the long run. And I would love for you to talk a little bit more. You've brought up a little bit of this throughout our conversation, but really how entertainment professionals could utilize LinkedIn. I think that I've really only begun to see the potential with LinkedIn probably within the last year or two, but even with myself being a little more active on on LinkedIn personally, while sometimes I see amazing people like yourself posting amazing content and, and amazing things to, to look at, I feel like a lot of artists don't realize the power of LinkedIn. A lot of their focus tends to be on Instagram, perhaps on Facebook. And uh, a lot of times they, I guess, don't see LinkedIn as this platform to to elevate themselves in their career. So I would love to just talk with you about your experience with LinkedIn and how entertainment professionals can really use this platform to their advantage. I am so excited about this question. <laughs> <laughs> I have been teaching LinkedIn courses to entertainment professionals for the past five years, and it is not an easy thing to do because I understand. I understand why entertainment professionals don't use it because to be quite honest, it doesn't feel like a safe platform for them because of little things, right? I mean, even designing your profile on LinkedIn is very difficult for an entertainment professional. It's very much like a resume, reverse chronological. There's no place for you to put a union affiliation, which is a huge problem for me, in my opinion, because it's either you're non-union or you're union. And I have to teach my clients how to manipulate their profiles in order to tell a clear story on their profile. So there's a lot of challenges that entertainment professionals do face in terms of the platform not catering to them. So I understand that piece. However, the networking piece is very important. But to be fair, I will say that the problem is like you were saying, most entertainment professionals focus on all the other platforms, right? But of course, now because of the state that things are in, people are flocking to LinkedIn because that they know that that's where you go to get a job. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of entertainment professionals are obviously coming to a lot of my classes. I think I yield about Every time I teach, I mean, it varies, but I do have my advanced courses that I take and those classes get anywhere between, you know, 50 to 150 people that attend them. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's a really wonderful number. We've gone through about five cycles of these classes. And I know that you're familiar with the LinkedIn challenge that I have. So all that is to say that recently LinkedIn has definitely become a friendlier platform to entertainment professionals because a lot of people feel I want to use something else other than Facebook and Instagram to market myself. Why don't I try LinkedIn? And so what we're seeing is, and I like to think that I have a lot to do with this. Somebody actually recently told me that they feel like I created this underground community on LinkedIn of entertainment professionals, which made my heart sing when I heard that. <laughs> but I have been I have been encouraging 
professionals in the industry to write content on the newsfeed. And we even have our own little hashtag, hashtag the creative life. And so anybody from the Actors Fund that's taken my class is guaranteed to use that hashtag. So for anyone listening, if they want to kind of find, if they're looking for that community on LinkedIn that exists, it does. And I think that's the thing. A lot of people don't realize that there is a creative community on LinkedIn. It's small, but it's there and we're growing. So come to us, follow the hashtag, engage with us, because also as you're hearing from me, I am very much an advocate of people talking to everyone and reaching out to anyone that interests you. So of course, if my students are hearing that from me, they are open to any strangers connecting with them or engaging with their content. And so what we're seeing though, the, is the great part about all of this is LinkedIn for entertainment. It's a great way for the entertainment industry to educate the non-entertainment industry. I'm sorry. I'm talking so like passionately. <laughs> no, this is great. Keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I actually, in my 15 day LinkedIn challenge that I have, I give my students daily activities. And one of the daily activities in particular is to write a post about a problem solving experience that you encountered in the entertainment industry. And it's my favorite activity because it's our way of showing a non-entertainment industry professionals that, hey, artwork is work. It's not just the glamour. It's not just being on set. It's not just working with celebrities. It's not just all of this flashy red carpet experience that everybody thinks that it is. There's a lot of work that goes into it and it's time for people to understand all of that. So we're in the middle of this closing the gap of information and knowledge between the non-entertainment industry and the entertainment industry. And so that's the other thing that I think is really helpful, especially right now. So there's a lot of work to do. It's not, it's still not the friendliest place. I mean, trust me, I have been screaming and yelling in my posts about how LinkedIn <laughs> has been a little bit friendlier to entertainment professionals. So I understand that piece, but there is definitely a safe community there. I'm there for you. My students are there for you. So please come and join us. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, I think that there is definitely a lot of potential when it comes to the entertainment industry and having a presence on LinkedIn. And I definitely see you as one of the pioneers in, in making that happen. And yeah, I'll be, I'll be very excited to see just how it evolves, especially as we've been in this pandemic and kind of seeing more entertainment professionals using the platform. I would love to kind of to jump off of that to discuss about the relationship building. I think that this was something that we have covered a lot in this conversation and something that we talk about a lot on this podcast is about the importance of meaningful relationships and connections, both professional and personal. And I think that in the entertainment industry, especially building relationships and connecting with people and reaching out to people are something are things that are so important when it comes to building one's career. So I would love to hear your perspective on this. What What is it about relationships that make them so important within this industry? Relationship building is so important for anyone because if you want to continue moving forward in anything that you do, you need a support system behind you because that support system is going to be able to introduce you to new opportunities. And people are only going to do that if they trust you and they love you. I mean, that's just the honest truth <laughs> because... I mean, even me, I mean, think about yourself. I'm thinking about myself. I'm thinking about all my clients that have told me about their stories. I mean, think about how we move forward. Most of us move forward because we were provided with assistance from another human along the way. And the thing is, that other human is only going to assist you if they trust you because they're putting their reputation on the line for you. So relationship building is really important. It's not something that could happen overnight, which is another thing that I am always stressing to my clients is that you never stop networking. Even if you are so happy in the role that you secure, you should always 
always be doing what you should be doing to meet new people that you connect with and that resonate with you because you never know like you said before you never know where those relationships are going to take you and the other thing right now is a support system right right now there's so many people that are dealing with isolation and isolation leads to depression and then that leads to limiting thoughts and then it leads to not being productive because all of these bad thoughts are just crippling you because you don't have someone to turn to and say, I need help. I need someone to talk to. So the community that I've created, I have been very, very adamant about reminding my clients to be open-minded when people are in need of help. Now, of course, you want to protect yourself. If somebody is reaching out to you and you do not have the capacity because you have a lot of your own stuff going on, that's that's understandable, right? But you, we should all be treating each other with kindness right now and be trying to be receptive to as many people as we can be. And so in addition to that, I have an ambassador program that I facilitate which is meant for my challengers. So they're all former LinkedIn challengers. And what they do is they work for me in a volunteer capacity. They assist me with providing assistance to future challengers. They work on program development with me. But aside from all of that, the thing that we've created is we're all in a Slack community. And that's actually really popular right now. A lot of different a lot of different people like influencers or career programs are creating Slack communities so that there's more of this live interaction going on during this time. And that has been so wonderful. So in my ambassador program, I have about 30 people in it and they, we are so grateful to have each other because we can just have this space to go to and just talk about anything. I mean, we have specific channels in our Slack workspace for work and then we have ones for fun. But I think the main thing that's so important is we have people that we can talk to whenever we want. We have a space to go to and say, hey, I wanna talk to somebody, I'm feeling lonely and somebody's there. And naturally what happens is when you have a group of people that you're talking to every day or not every day, but most days, you learn things about each other. You learn things that you didn't know the first day you met them. You're constantly learning and then you're saying, oh, I, have no, I had no idea that that's what you were into. I have somebody that I can introduce you to that would be a great fit for you. So I actually in grad school did this exercise with somebody and he basically had everybody come up to the chalkboard and he said, okay, I want everybody to list the names of three organizations that you would be comfortable introducing anybody in this room to. I mean, you have 10 people in a room and then you have three pe three organization that each person can introduce anyone to. That's a lot of, that's a lot of interactions that yeah. you could introduce, right? So through communication, we're constantly learning about the people in our lives. And then we're thinking of ways that we could help each other. So through this Slack community that I've created and through this network that I've created, I'm actually seeing my clients collaborate with each other, which is another thing that I am very, very passionate about reminding people to do is work on something, work on a project, even if you're not getting paid for it. If you're not working and you're job searching, I want you to job search. I want you to keep on doing what you need to do to pay those bills, right? But you should also take some time to collaborate with somebody and learn from each other and create something together so that by the time that this is all over or while you are interviewing, when you are interviewing, interviewers are going to ask you, you know, what have you been doing? How have you been staying busy? And you want, you want to be able to say something. So I think that's another thing that relationship building really helps with is if you just click with somebody that you have similar interests in common with, and you have you both have skill sets that would benefit each other make something together so that you can say that you did something so those are those are my thoughts on relationship building and you know there's this also i think the other thing that i will add to there's this great theory that i have just started to explore called the chaos theory for careers and the whole premise of this theory is you have to be open to uncertainty. 
in your career because you really never know where you're going to go. We can't really predict what the future holds. And the thing about that is, though, it'll be a lot easier to deal with uncertainty if you have a support system behind you, somebody that you could actually reach out to or multiple people that you could reach out to when things are hard or when things aren't hard and you have a great idea and you want someone to reach out to and say, I have this idea and I want to make sure that I'm not crazy. So can you give me some feedback? (laughs) So it's really important to continue making those relationships. And, and also don't be, don't be so strict about who you're reaching out to. I mean, you don't necessarily have to be always talking to people that are within your same industry. I mean, look at me. I mean, technically my industry is really recruitment. And while I have a lot of friends that are in recruitment and I love them dearly, I'd rather be in a theater networking than at a networking mixer filled with recruiters. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. So, you know, don't always, don't always limit yourself to thinking I have to only stick to people in my industry. You can meet somebody outside of your industry that has a golden contact that is within your industry that will, and it'll make that, it'll make it that much faster for you to actually get to the right person that you need. Because sometimes you're not always connecting with people in your industry. Sometimes you will have a really amazing conversation with somebody that's the complete opposite of you. And that makes the conversation more interesting and exciting. So yeah, those are, as you can tell, I have a lot to say about this. (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. I love it. We're we're really leaving our listeners with a lot of great insight, advice, and information for them to walk away with. So Alexandria, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to be on the Relate podcast today. And not only taking the time, but I really appreciate the work that you're doing. I think that it's so important for entertainment professionals to have someone like you to go to a community like the one that you have created where professionals in the entertainment world could come together and collaborate to build those relationships. And it's really encouraging to see someone like you doing the work that you're doing, especially in the time that we're living in today. So thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you. It's been a great interview. I'm so happy to have been here with you. And I hope that it's really helpful to your listeners. Where can our listeners find out more about you and all the great work that you're doing? Oh, yes, please follow me on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn. You could find me by just searching for my full name, Alexandria Bellavan. And I am open to anybody sending me a connection request. Great. Well, I'll make sure to include the link to your LinkedIn in the show notes. So listeners, I highly recommend getting in touch with Alexandria. You'll be able to learn so much more about the the various opportunities and programs that she provides. So Alexandria, thank you so much again for joining us on the Relate Podcast. It was so great having you here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Relate. You can let me know your thoughts on this episode by going to Apple Podcasts and leaving me a review. Or if you have the Anchor app, feel free to call in and leave a voicemail. I would love to hear from you. You can support this podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Thank you so much again for tuning in, and I'll catch you all in the next episode.